0: Welcome to Chapel this morning. I hope that uh, you noticed a lot of the images on the screen just now, working with people with special needs. And I met about 2004, 2005, a young lady by the name of Lindsay Castaleja. And she is here this morning to share with you uh, part of her calling. I want you to know that Lindsay, when I met her, she said, I have a heart for people with special needs And I don't really know what to do with that. And she graduated from Baylor in 2008 after having spent two, three years of her time here trying to figure out, okay, God, how do I do this? How do I work with people with special needs? And she figured that out and began working upon her graduation at Camp Summit. And she wants to talk to you just for a moment about that. So uh, be attentive to her.
1: I just want to tell you that just a few short years ago, I was sitting exactly where you guys were sitting and had so many questions about what God wanted to do in my life. And um, I know that God called me out of this Baylor bubble to do something for other people. And uh, I found myself in a world full of people with disabilities at Camp Summit. And by far, it's the best thing. Not, I mean,. I don't know. Uh, people with disabilities just give me so much um, insight to what we're supposed to live life like because I really see them live um, more like Jesus does because they look at you and they love you unconditionally. Uh, we have campers come through our, our gate and just say we come because we get to leave our disability at the gate, and we get to be seen for who we are and not for the fact that we're in a wheelchair. So um, this summer, I encourage you guys to get out, do something with your life, step out of this Baylor bubble. It's a great place, but um, you get to experience so much more whenever you get to step out and serve other people. Um, If you want more information about uh, coming to Camp Summit this summer, we're going to be outside, and we would love to talk to you about the passions that you guys have. So thank you.
0: There are a few students in a student life professional's life and in a chaplain's life, a minister's life, who really make you wake up and say, okay, I'm going to approach my job differently, and Lindsay's one of those. So I hope that you'll go speak with her after chapel about Camp Summit. Uh, You may recognize Jill Cronister right here because she plays cello a lot on this stage uh, for chapel services on some Wednesdays when you're here. And she's come to share with you about a concert uh, tomorrow night that I want you to be aware of. So, Jill?
1: Good morning. This faculty and students of the School of Music have decided to partner with the Salvation Army to put on a benefit concert for Haiti. It's going to feature the Baylor Symphony Orchestra, the Baylor Jazz Ensemble, and the Acapella Choir. It's tomorrow evening at 7.30 in the McCrary Music Building. It's going to be in Jones Concert Hall. The admission is completely free, but donations are going to be accepted at the end of the concert in the back by the Salvation Army. We hope to see you guys there.
0: Fantastic. Thank you both. Let's pray this morning as we get started. God, let us be thankful people this morning for this opportunity to come and take a break from the busyness of our day. Focus our entire attention upon you. Speak to us this morning, Lord. Amen. I want to introduce you to our speaker this morning. His name is Jim Marsh, and he's the director of our counseling center here at Baylor University. I want you to know that he's come to help us as Christians and as thoughtful people of faith to know how to better care for one another. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but in the Baylor uh, mission statement, it actually says that we are dedicated to making this place a caring environment. Now, what does it mean to be a caring environment Uh, The way we define that is that we care for one another, and we do all that we can to look out for one another and to be there for one another. So when one of you is hurting, we try to be there to catch you. Um, And so I hope that you're dedicated to that part of the mission of what it means to be here, part of this community. I know that Jim Marsh is dedicated to that. So in that light, he's come this morning to talk to us about suicide prevention. And some of you might think that's a pretty heavy topic, and indeed it is, but it's important that we discuss it so that we know better how to care for one another. I want you to know that Jim Marsh graduated from University of North Carolina Chapel Hill with his undergrad degree, and uh, he got his doctorate at University of Tennessee, but he's been here at Baylor for a long time, and he is someone I know well. And I can tell you from firsthand knowledge that he cares deeply for you. This is not a job for him. This is a calling. So welcome him this morning to Baylor Chapel to present this very important topic. Let's welcome him this morning.
2: That's fine. That's fine. Well, good morning, and thank you, Ryan, for that introduction. Um, as Ryan said, I'm the uh, director of the Counseling Center uh, here, and we are located on the second floor of the Student Life Center. Uh, Some of you may be familiar with us and some of you may not. Um, We provide all the counseling and psychological services for students on this campus. Uh, Things like depression, anxiety, stress, relationship problems, uh, eating disorders, just just to name a few. Uh, This is a picture of our staff. Uh, We have a great staff and I just want to let you know that some of our staff, as well as some of the resident uh, chaplains, spiritual life staff, are going to be out in the lobby Today we actually have a table set up. If you want to come by and pick up some information about the counseling center, or talk to someone if you if you need to. You know, I, I realize that talking about suicide uh, is a very serious topic. It is a very heavy topic, as Ryan mentioned. Um, I've talked to a number of groups across the campus. Uh, you know, been involved in training several hundred you know faculty and staff and students as well. And one of the things I've realized is that I've talked to groups of. Uh, of 3 or or 30 or a group this size of a thousand, but even in the smallest of groups, there's often someone in that group who has been deeply impacted by suicide, Uh, either a family member, uh, a close friend, someone that they knew. And so I would imagine that as well in a a room uh, of this many people um, but there are some of you who have been deeply impacted by this. So we, we take that very seriously and we're very sensitive to that. So if you need to talk to us afterwards, we'll be here. Or if you just want to come over to the Counseling Center, we'll be there as well anytime that you need us. Um, overview. What I want to do today is talk about uh, some statistics on suicide, uh, some of the myths about suicide. Uh, go quickly over some of the warning signs, things that you might see and observe uh, in a friend. Uh, I want to talk about depression, uh, Depression, uh, untreated depression is the number one cause of suicide. And then what I want to do is talk about three uh, simple steps that you can do if you have a friend or someone you know that's thinking about suicide, how you can help them. Let's talk about suicide in the U.S. Um, more people die from suicide than homicide in the United States. Just in the time that we are here, this, these three chapel sessions, just during this time, approximately ten people will die in the United States. Uh, from suicide, you know, to get a sense of the of the impact of suicide, imagine a you know a, an airline a, a passenger jet uh, that's full of people crashing every other day, and there are no survivors. And that's the impact of suicide in in the U.S. Uh, the Center for Disease Control statistics in 2006 said that there were over 33,000 documented suicides in the U.S. And they're very specific to use that word documented. You know why do you think they do that? Um, it's it's really hard to know someone's intent. You know, for example, um, take a, uh, somebody that dies from a drug overdose. You know, was that an accident? Or were they trying to commit suicide? Uh, another example would be someone in a a single uh, driver single uh, uh, auto car accident. You know, was that a, was that an accident or were they trying to commit suicide? So it's very difficult to tell what someone's intent is. So you can imagine if it's, if, it's, if it's that difficult to tell someone's intent to commit suicide, it can be very hard as well to estimate the number of attempts. But they estimate that there are 25 more attempts uh, than there are completed acts of suicide, which is about 825,000 attempts in the United States. I'd like to do just a quick group exercise. I know it's early. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to do a whole lot. But I, I, suicide, it's, it's not something that we talk about. We don't really acknowledge it in our midst, but it really affects uh, uh, really affects many of us. What I'd like for you to do, if you would, is just if you would just raise your hand if you have ever known someone who has considered suicide, attempted suicide, or completed an act of suicide. Just raise your hand. Just look at how many people. Now, one other thing, I'd like you to keep your hand raised if you've ever known someone who has attempted suicide or completed an act of suicide. I mean, just get the sense of how much that impacts us. Thank you for doing that. I really appreciate that. Let's talk about suicide in college students. Uh, The American College Health Association has been studying this for several years. And one of the uh, most consistent data points is that 10% of students say that they have seriously considered suicide uh, in the past 12 months. And 2% of students say that that they have attempted suicide in the past 12 months. 40% of college students know someone who has attempted suicide, and 28% of college students know someone who has died from suicide. It's the second leading cause of death for college students. The number one leading cause of death for college students uh, is automobile accidents uh, that usually involve uh, alcohol or uh, drowsy driving. What about here at Baylor University? Let's kind of bring it down another notch. What about students at Baylor? We participated in a research survey in 2006, we're getting ready to do another one. And we asked Baylor students about their thoughts of suicide. And what we found is that between 17 and 18% of Baylor students said that they had seriously considered suicide at some point in their life. 6% said that they had seriously considered suicide in the past 12 months. And one and a half percent said that they had attempted suicide at some point in the past 12 months. Here on this campus, We had uh, two suicides on campus uh, in the 2006 year, and then we had two suicides on campus uh, back in the spring of 2009. Prior to this, we had not had a suicide going all the way back to 1999. And historically, across the country, students who commit suicide are not, at the counseling center, or not receiving any type of treatment or assistance at all. And that's happening all across the country. We also knew this is that, you know, who do students tell? If a student is thinking about suicide or they've attempted suicide, I mean, who do they tell? Um, They're not likely to tell me first. Uh, They're not likely to tell, you know, someone in the spiritual life staff. What we know is that they tell you first. They tell their roommates, their classmates, their friends. You're the first people that they tell that they're struggling with this. And we want you to leave here today knowing exactly what to do if you find yourself in this situation. I want to talk about some of the myths uh, about suicide. One of the myths is that confronting a person about suicide will only make them angry and increase the likelihood that they will commit suicide. A lot of people believe this. They believe that, you know, if I, if I ask them or I say something, I'm just going to make them mad. And this really doesn't happen. The reality is, is that asking about suicide very directly in a face-saving, caring kind of way lowers their anxiety opens up communication, and decreases the likelihood that someone will do something impulsive. Another myth is that no one can stop a suicide. It's inevitable. The fact is that if a person who is in a crisis and suicidal can get the help that they need, they will probably never be suicidal again. And I want to say a couple things about this. The first one is that there is a small percentage of people who may be repeatedly suicidal, you know, for different factors. But But for the majority of people who are in a crisis and get the help they need, they will never be suicidal again. We like to think of it as a window. And when a person becomes suicidal, they enter into this window of time. And that window may be a few days or it may be up to a few weeks. And it's usually triggered by a series of problems, you know, financial grades, a career, something like that, that they can't resolve. Or maybe it's an acute crisis or it's a relationship breakup. What happens is is they enter into that window of time. And during that window of time, their likelihood of doing something impulsive and doing something dangerous is very high. But if we can help them just get to the other side of that window, the majority of people will never be suicidal again. Okay? Once a person decides to complete suicide, there's nothing you can do uh, to stop them. The reality is that suicide is the most preventable kind of death there is. Almost anything that you do in a positive sort of way, almost any positive action can save a life if someone responds. Another myth, those who talk about suicide don't do it. The reality is is that people who do talk about it are the ones that are most likely to attempt suicide or complete suicide. And this goes with this other myth, is that suicidal people keep their plans to themselves. And there's a couple of things I want to make sure you leave here with today, and this this is one of them. Um, and that is is that the reality is, is that most suicidal people communicate their intent sometime during the week prior to their uh, attempt to kill themselves. And I think this shows something very important, and that is their ambivalence. And I believe this. I, I, I don't believe that anyone really wants to die. I don't believe they want to commit suicide. I believe they'll take any other option. And I, and I believe that this shows this, that they will, that week prior, they're going to try to find some way to let someone else know that they're thinking about this. Uh, The Golden Gate Bridge out in California, uh, some of you I'm sure are familiar with this. Um, Many people over the years have committed suicide by jumping from the Golden Gate Bridge. And it was a design flaw, uh, had a very low uh, uh, railing from the original uh, construction. They have since fixed that, but they had many people jump uh, to kill themselves. But there are also a number of people who lived, who jumped and lived, and they pulled all those people together, and they did a research study. And one of the questions they asked was, what's the first thought that went through your mind whenever you jumped? What's the first thing you thought about? And every single person said the same thing, basically. They said, I don't want to die. I want to live. This is a mistake. And I believe this shows the ambivalence that people have. I really believe that they don't want to die. They're looking for some other option. And then there's the biggest myth about suicide, and that is this. If I talk about it or ask about it, I'm going to put this idea into someone's head. If I say to them, are you thinking about committing suicide? You know, it's this, you know, oh, I didn't think about that. Thanks, you know, there, there's an idea I have. Now, that's just not the way it works. It doesn't put, you don't put that idea into someone's head. The reality is, is that by asking directly, about suicide intent, lowers their anxiety, opens up communication, and decreases the likelihood that they'll do something impulsive. Let's talk a little bit about warning signs. And there's um, What I'd say about warning signs is this, is that we take all signs seriously, but certainly the more you see, the more concern you ought to have. There's three types. There's uh, verbal warning signs, there's behavioral warning signs, and there's situational warning signs. Verbal warning signs. Uh, They come in direct statements or indirect statements. I think the direct statements are are pretty obvious. Uh, Someone says, I've decided to kill myself. I wish I were dead. I'm going to end it all. But A lot of times people communicate it very indirectly. They say things like, you know, I'm tired of life. You know, I can't go on. I mean, who who would miss me if I was gone anyway? You know, I think everyone would be better off without me. And when you hear that, you've got to really say, you know, be thinking about that. Okay? Um, Another one is behavioral warning signs. Certainly anyone that has had a previous suicide attempt and never received any help, uh, someone buy, buys a gun or stockpiles pills, uh, gives away prized possessions, you know, puts their personal affairs in orders. Uh, you know, an example of this would be, you know, I've seen this over the years, would be someone who um, starts contacting all their old friends you know, just as a way of closing the loop and saying goodbye. Uh, another example is someone who might write a series of letters to all the people they know. All right, it's a way of putting their affairs in order. Other people have been known to, to box up or or pack up all their belongings and have them in boxes, you know, so they won't they want to be any type of inconvenience on someone else. And then there's situational clues. Certainly a loss of a major relationship can, can cause someone to start thinking about suicide, being expelled from school, being a burden, not being accepted into a school or program that a person wants. Certainly death of someone close. Uh, to them, especially if that death was by suicide. Let's talk a bit about depression. Up to 25% of all Americans experience an episode of depression in their lifetime. Untreated depression is the number one cause of suicide. Two-thirds of people who commit suicide were depressed at the time. And what I want you to hear me say is that depression is something that is very treatable. I mean, as psychologists, I mean, there's some things that we, we don't have good success with. But then there's things we do have good success with. Depression is one of those things that we do have good success with. Uh, there's very good medications, and medication along with counseling is, can be very effective. But the sad thing is, is that less than 25% of people who are depressed get adequate treatment. Okay, We want to really close that gap. If you think about uh, depression for a minute, I realize that um, you know, even in a room um, of this size, there are probably a number of you that have been depressed or maybe feel this way now. And here's some of the common symptoms of depression. And just take a minute and look at that and and see all the different symptoms that there are. Imagine for a second what it would be like to be a student trying to go to class, trying to study, and you felt like this. That'd be pretty difficult, wouldn't it? It'd be hard to get up and go to class, it'd be hard to focus, you'd probably feel isolated. It'd be pretty challenging. It's not like you really get to call time out in the middle of the semester. Um, Baylor's a Christian university. Uh, my hope is that we're always being sensitive uh, to those around us who might feel this way. But what do you think it's like, or what is it like, being at a Christian university sometimes and feeling this way? I've had students tell me that they feel ashamed. They feel like they have to hide this, they don't feel like they can talk about it. Because as a Christian, I'm supposed to be joyful. You know, I'm not supposed to feel this way. Okay. So what do you do? If you have a friend or someone you know who is depressed or has demonstrated any of these signs that I've just talked about, I want to give you three simple steps that you can use to help someone uh, that might be in a crisis. And these come from a program that I do called QPR, which stands for Question, Persuade, and Refer. And the first one is you just want to ask the question. If you're concerned about someone, you just want to ask a question about if they're thinking about killing themselves, if they're thinking about committing suicide. There's two ways to do this. There's a less direct way and a direct way. I am not a big fan of the less direct way. I put it up here just so you can have it. Maybe that would help you warm up to asking the question. But really, you wanna ask it very directly. And and research shows that you wanna ask it one of two ways. You wanna ask, are you thinking about killing yourself or committing suicide? Just in a face-saving, caring uh, kind of way, you wanna ask that question. I realize that if you were to ask that question, you'd probably be nervous. Uh, And even if if you are nervous, it's it's better just to ask the question. This is a question I ask every day, so I'm very used to that. So I realize that you would probably be nervous doing that. So you ask the question. Um, There are a couple ways not to ask the question. And the reason I put these up here is, I think it's important to understand this, is that um, suicide, thinking of suicide, um, to someone that's thinking about this, this is not... A stupid idea. This is not a crazy idea. I mean, to them, this is their answer. I mean, this is the solution to the problem they have. You know, they're in that window, okay, of time, all right, and they cannot solve this problem that they're experiencing. And so what happens is this thought of suicide comes in. It's not a, you know, it, it's an answer to them. Step two, you want to persuade to live. I said there are a couple of things that I want to make sure you leave here with today, and this is the second one. Um, Suicide is not the problem. Suicide is not the problem. It is the only solution to a perceived unsolvable problem. A person's in that window of time. They have these series of problems they can't resolve. Suicide, the thought of suicide, drifts into the picture. So if you're there, you want to do this. You want to persuade them to live. Listen, give them your full attention. And then you want to say, hey, you know, I want to help you. I want you to get through this. You know, I want you to live. I care about you. Will you let me get you some help? Just will you let me get you some help? Okay? The third thing is you want to refer to a professional. Uh, two types of referral. The best referral uh, is simply taking them directly to someone who can help them. Okay? I'm going to tell you who that is in just a minute. And the, and the second best referral is saying, will, will you agree to stay safe and not attempt suicide while I go and get you some help? And someone's willingness to accept help, any type of help, no matter how small it is, is a positive indication of a good outcome. The other thing I want to say is this, is you've got to remember that someone who is thinking about suicide probably feels pretty hopeless. They're probably discouraged, and they don't think anything is going to make a difference. So you may have to do more. You may have to get more involved and be more active in that situation. Who do you contact for help? You can call the Counseling Center, and there's our number. Uh, you know, we're in the second floor of the Student Life Center. We also have counselors on call 24-7. You can call us at any time at night. We answer calls, you know, early in the morning, all times. Uh, you can call the Office of Spiritual Life. But more importantly, just let someone know. Like I said, we've trained almost 700 people on this campus. I mean, tell someone. Tell a professor. Uh, you know, tell someone the Success Center, and they will know what to do. Uh, last couple of slides. One is um, uh, if someone is in immediate danger... What I mean by this is if they have already injured themselves, they've taken an overdose, uh, they have a weapon and they're threatening to use it, they're standing on top of a bridge, a stairway, a parking uh, deck, you know, call 911 because every second matters. And the last thing I want to say is that almost anything that you do, almost any effort that you give to persuade someone to live and not attempt suicide will be met with agreement and relief. So don't hesitate to get involved. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I'd like for you just to stand, and I'm going to pray for us as we, as we end. Lord, I, I thank you for every life that is represented here today. I thank you for Baylor University. Lord, I pray. Uh, just give us the wisdom, Lord, and just the hearts to be a caring and compassionate uh, community. Lord, I just pray that there would be uh, life, here today. I pray that for anyone that might be hopeless, feeling hopeless or feeling discouraged, that they would have a sense of feeling hopeful today, that you would bring that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.